On today's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, Buzz Carrick of Third Degree joins the show to help us with our preview of the 2021 FC Dallas season. You can follow the show on Twitter at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get to today's episode. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Alrighty, boys, we are back. It's uh, Tuesday. Well, if you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. Uh, We are recording this actually on Thursday, February 11th, 2021. Uh, listeners, you can follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod, at JJ Post, at JustinSosa99, at Jake Watroba. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to preview the 2021 FC Dallas season with uh, Buzz Carrick. We are kicking off, I guess, or we're going to uh, make an attempt to at least do this. We're kicking off our MLS 2021 team preview series, if you will. So we're going to make an attempt to preview every single team in MLS before the season gets underway on April 17th. So uh, stick around here. Uh, We are joined by Buzz Carrick of Third Degree to help us talk all things FC Dallas. Joining us right now is founder of Third Degree, Buzz Carrick. Third Degree is an independent soccer news source for North Texas. Founded in 1997, Buzz covers all things soccer in the Dallas Metroplex. Follow Third Degree at Third Degree Net. Buzz, how are you doing tonight? Good, excellent. How are y'all doing today? I'm doing pretty good myself over here in Jersey. Uh, I know Jake and JJ are over in the Midwest. Uh, it's probably pretty cold over there for them, though. It's pretty cold here. We're actually going to be down to one degree tomorrow. So uh, the bizarre Texas cold snap. It'll last about a day and a half. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you, you don't get you don't get used to that. I can it's supposed to get down to like 12 below 0 tonight for us and uh I was telling somebody else who lives down in the Dallas area like anything below 10 degrees for me up here that's it's brutal. So uh I know people up here like to rip on you guys down south when you complain about oh it's like 35 degrees it's cold or whatever. Uh no, 1 degree is pretty cold. Like 1 degree sucks no matter what. So uh, don't, don't feel too bad if you're if, if if you're complaining. There's somebody you know that lives up north says you're being uh, you're being a wimp. <laughs> Tell them to. Well, it'll be it'll be seventy in two days after that, so we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in my adaptation period. I, I came to the Midwest for college from New Jersey, um, like Justin. Um, you know, we're we're it's fairly cold in New Jersey. I'd say you know we we can get in the you know the tens, the twenties, you know all that. I, I do think it's a. It, uh, taking some use to get it to like being zero every day. Like I believe the high this week is like five and I'm just not a fan of that. And from that pure perspective, the fact that opening day, cause you know, the I'm covering the soccer team for, you know, the blog I write for, um, outdoors, it's in the spring opening day next week, high is slated to be 10 degrees and flurries. That's just not what I want to watch soccer and outside. It's entertaining, but it's going to take some time to get used to. 
Yes, and uh, I'm sure we can start a new podcast on, on meteorology sometime soon uh, across the United States. But today we're going to talk about FC Dallas and kind of uh, a little bit of a season preview for them. And Buzz, uh, I want to start us off kind of looking at uh, some of the transfers that have gone in and out of Dallas. I mean, you guys have been pretty busy this offseason uh, both ways, really, you know, getting players out the door and getting players in the door. Um you know, from your perspective of just kind of seeing, uh, you know, the likes of like Brian Reynolds leave the team, uh, Pablo Arangis, uh, even some of the young guys like Brendan Cervania and Justin Che go out on loan. Um, you know, what, what's kind of going on with Dallas? What are, what are they trying to, I guess, do this offseason to improve the team? Well, Arangis was on his way out the door for a couple of years, and uh, we've known that Reynolds would be uh, highly sought after. Uh, the only thing that happened with Reynolds was how fast it happened. Uh, I was expecting more of a full season, let, not just 14 games and then gone. Uh, the big rebuild is happening basically because uh, if you if you if you look at Dallas at a macro level, last season they have one of the better defenses in the league and one of the better defenses in the Western Conference. So you're pretty happy with that. You know you want to make an upgrade maybe at one spot about across the back, but. Um, you know, Reynolds leaving is just another step in the pipeline of there'll be another right back ready. That's just what Dallas does. But the offense was a big uh, short circuit and that's where the big problems were. And they essentially have jettisoned most of the front line, uh, because they're just bottom line was there wasn't enough goal scoring, um, chances created was good enough, but goals wasn't good enough, which is obviously a significant problem for your front line. So, um, they moved on Michael Barrios, who is, you know, a pr- uh, close to or at 30. And so the skills are declining when you're talking about a speed player like that. So they, they, they've traded him and moved him on particularly because he was, would have been in the last year of his contract. So the next one probably would have had to be three years and you definitely don't want to do that. They moved on from both Santiago Mascara, who was a vastly underperforming DP and then Fafa Pico, who didn't quite uh, give them what they wanted on the other side. So they're rebuilding the entire front line and you've, they've brought in, Hedero O'Brien at the right wing, who's a late blooming 25 year old Colombian school scorer wing. And then the left side is going to be right now a mixture of Paxton Pomacall, um, who is probably going to be playing out left when he recovers from injury. Freddie Vargas, who's a young Venezuelan kid. And then they um, they did a homegrown move with Philadelphia to bring in a left wing homegrown from Philly's program by trading for the homegrown rights. And then on top of that, Jesus Ferro would move him back to the striker, it looks like. And then, of course, they still got Pepe. So there's definitely sort of a rebuild happening in the front three positions. Otherwise, the team's pretty much standing pat moving forward. So looking at some of those incoming transfers, obviously, um, you know, pretty heavily focused, like you said, pretty heavily focusing on the attack, pretty heavily focusing on specifically on the wings. How many of these uh, players do you think are going to come in and immediately, you know, jump right onto the team sheet, you know, jump immediately into the starting lineup? And how many of these guys do you think are more, you know, depth players, more players just to kind of flesh out the lineup um, on midweek games, cup, etc.? Well, the center back, uh, Jose Martinez, who's out of the Barcelona system, uh, is the prime of the career player, left center back. He definitely will be penciled in as your starting left center back. He's Reto Ziegler's replacement. Now, Brisson will want to think he's in the mix there, but um, the idea is to upgrade that position. So I, I don't think uh, there's any question that Martinez will walk right in. Now, having dumped Barrios, that really opens the door for O'Brien at right wing, who's the, the Colombian's player. Dante Sealy's over there, but he's not ready to be a starter in MLS. So unless something goes wrong and they have to end up using uh, Pepe or Jesus over there, we were assuming that O'Brien's going to be the starter at the right wing. So those are the two guys that should walk in and start. The, uh, the question mark is the, 
young 21 year old Freddie Vargas, who's from, as I said, from Venezuela, that's not a league that like makes you sit up and take notice. So there's a little bit of a question there, particularly because at left wing, it looks like he's probably going to battle Paxton Pomacall and Paxton gets healthy. And we all think of course that Paxton will be the choice in the long run at that position. So um, really it's only the two. Now I do think that Dallas is going to sign a DP. They have an open DP spot and they have, this big pile of Reynolds money standing there in the front yard. They got to do something with it. So um, I'm expecting a DP move. And I think that DP might come at left wing uh, based on the fact that right now there's not a obvious starter in that position. Yeah, Buzz, I, I get you kind of stepped to my touchdown call there a little bit. I mean, there, there, there is, you know, issues on the wings and on the fullbacks as it relates to depth. Uh, SC Dallas is linked to Dynamo Kiev winger Carlos de Pena. I mean, how much more shopping do you think is left for Dallas? Do you think it's just that one DP, or do you think they they maybe add more than just a, a DP here? Well, right now they have two open roster spots. It could be two senior spots, or it could be one on the senior roster and one on the smaller roster. And then you could open up one more if you um, if you if you take Cervania or Che, who are going to go out on loan, and put them on sort of the uh, you can you can create space for one more player but um I don't think they'll do that because both those guys are on short term loans so other than the DP there is an there is a chance to bring in one more body uh maybe they'll look for somebody young but right now I think they're pretty content with what they have they'll kind of wait and see what happens with their draft picks primarily because they have Nicky Hernandez who of course is the the kid that's been playing with North Texas He's got a good shot to make the senior roster. Uh, and then they got a couple other guys that are sort of interesting, uh, you know, roll the dice sort of picks there. So I think they'll see what they have in camp. And the window's up until May, so there's plenty of time. Now, the, the guy that you were t- questioning, uh, you mentioned with the link, a lot of these foreign links you have to take with a grain of salt. Dallas got linked to like 10 players, and only two of them turned out to be real. So that deal was reported as being turned down, that offer. I have no idea if that offer was legit or if that link is even legit, but a lot of the behaviors that are happening indicate that uh, something is going to happen. And the technical director here, Zanata, specifically said that, and I'm quoting him, almost all their deals were done for this season. So he left the door open on, I think, the one DP, you know, with the, with the caveat, there's a, there's a couple open spots if they want to try something else on the bottom end from the draft picks or something like that. Now, Buzz, you, you brought up Paxton Pomacow maybe playing on the left wing this season and kind of earning a spot there. Um, obviously, he missed out on all of last season, and we all know what he's capable of bringing to FC Dallas, whether he's playing centrally or out wide on the wings. Um, you know, he's he's obviously on the road to recovery, kind of coming back into this season. Um, do you think he'll be thrown? If he's, if he's healthy for day one, do you think he starts that first day, or do you think he has to kind of fight for that spot? Um, I don't think he would have to fight for that spot right now. It depends on whether they do sign a DP or not. Um, there's always a chance the DP could be in a different position or it could be a nine or they could decide to wait. Uh, I would not think they would rush back Paxton. You know, he's going on like a year and a half now with these injury problems. I think they'll want to take their time. Now, Paxton says he'll be ready start of April to com- what he said was quote, to compete for a spot or to compete for playing time. So, I think there's an expectation in his mind that he'll be on the bench at the beginning, you know, and, and trying to get into some games and prove that he can push towards a 90 minute fitness. He also said that his injury that he had is like an ACL in the sense that a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, he'll be better than he is now. So there's not like this huge impetus to, to get him in like day one, 
Now, Dallas does know that he is a special player that can change games, and they miss that. They don't have that, a lot of that. So if Dallas wants to make themselves into a contender, they need Paxson to get healthy and to be a MVP-caliber player. If that doesn't happen, then they're kind of they're in that three to four sort of position. And that's not where you want to be if you want to contend. So it is important to get him healthy, but it's also important to get him healthy for the rest of his career and for the rest of the season. What happens in April? Who cares? Right. So I don't think they're in a big rush with him. Yeah. And you know, Paxton's just one of plenty of young guys that are kind of coming through FC Dallas's Academy. And I mean, we've seen with Brian Reynolds uh, leaving aroma that, you know, the pipeline in Dallas is pretty hot right now. We talked a little bit uh, off the mics just kind of about how well they turn out players. Um, and obviously, you know, we saw Reggie Cannon leave to Boa Vista and then Brian Reynolds replaced him and and people anticipated he, he would be here for a little while just to be that replacement. And then he's gone in January. Um, you know, in, in your opinion, is is this kind of just a hot generation in, in Dallas's academy of players? Or do you think they finally found the right formula to kind of keep pumping out players at this rate? No, they'll keep pumping out players at this rate. The Dallas recruits nationally for their academy. They have like 15 satellite academies. They have 5,000 players just in Dallas in their whole youth system. But they have affiliates all over the United States and in, and in foreign countries. They recruit well outside of the United uh, out of Dallas. Uh, Tessman's from Alabama. Cervania's from Alabama. T- um, Thomas Roberts is from Arkansas. They got guys coming in here that want to be here because this academy is a proven pipeline to the first team and off to Europe. So when you combine all those factors together, they end up having these stacked rosters. And the 2003 class was ridiculous. 04 is a little light. But then the Dallas Academy and the 05 and the 06 group are just absolutely crushing it with the amount of players they have that have pro potential on those teams. It's unbelievable. So this pipeline is not only going to continue. Within two to three seasons, they actually need to jettison and make room for about five or six players, maybe even per year, to be able to sign and process through, or they're going to lose them. Now, how's the new, the forthcoming, what is it, U23 league? How's that going to affect? Are the rules going to change for how many homegrowns you can sign and keep? We're not really sure what's going to happen, but there's an immense pathway, an immense pipeline of talent coming through, and Dallas has got to figure out how to get them signed and sold for a lot of them because there just isn't room enough for all the talent they're producing on the roster. On the note of Europe, um, looking at um, some of the other prospects that uh, have come for the Dallas system, Chris Richards, you know, made his debut with Hoffenheim just recently. Uh, but now Justin Shea um, is in uh, Bayern Munich looking to take that same path, you know, from the Dallas Academy system to um, the German uh, big leagues. Um, how big is this partnership um, played, like this new um, developing partnership between Bayern Munich and FC Dallas? How big of a role is this played in, you know, exposing the Dallas kids to Bayern in particular, but also the rest of the German market and the rest of the uh, European market that might see uh, a potential future advantage in uh, American academies? Well, primarily it's about um, coaching and player development in the sense that, like, the coaches go over and get training, the front office gets training, exchanges of ideas. The complexes are available for both teams to come over and vice versa. Dallas sends a youth team to the Bayern Youth Tournament, the big campus tournament every year. Um, This homegrown training thing is a big exchange of players. It, It gives those kids a chance to be exposed to the Bayern coaches. And there have been obviously a couple of cases where they've wanted players. Thomas Roberts, they wanted last year and Dallas said no. So it doesn't always happen. But you're still looking at a pathway. Mainly it's the viability of it, right? Like if you... If you say we're going to try and get you to Europe, if you, that's what your goal is, 
when you have the relationship with Bayern, it makes it that much more obvious that really is possible. And if players go over there and are playing in front of their coaches, that's great. That's a great exposure to those coaches. But it also is a great exposure for these players in the, in the sense it takes them out of their comfort zone, puts them in a different, unfamiliar situation. That's how you stretch players. That's how you grow players. Dallas is an organization with their youth academy because they blow out most of the academy teams they play. They put a huge emphasis on these international tournaments. And Bayern's, uh, and th- through Bayern and through Adidas, they get invites to certain tournaments they might not otherwise. So it's all part of the process. Um, now, not every player that goes over there the Byron likes and wants to keep, but they've even facilitated the deal like with Brandon Cervania going down to Austria. He and Eben Surreal went down there with two players from Byron. Clearly, there's an obvious connection there in Byron setting up that opportunity for that Brandon's going to take advantage of. So it's a pretty extensive partnership, and it really is paying off both ways. The only thing we don't see is a player from Byron coming back to play for Dallas. That hasn't really happened, but the salary differences are so, so big that you can't really expect that kind of move to happen. Uh, the best bet in terms of Dallas getting something in return might be a guy from the U23 team that's just not good enough for Byron, just short of that. But how hard is it to convince that kind of kid to come to Dallas versus to go to some other Bundesliga team? You know, I, I just don't think a player come the other way is really in the cards. So mostly it's a chance for Dallas kids to grow and for the the best of the best to get a shot at Byron. I mean, Brian Williams went there three times before, you know, they had plenty of looks at him and didn't choose to take him. So, which is now in hindsight, maybe they may be mad they didn't, but, um, you know, it's a, it's an exposure opportunity. It's a growth opportunity. And they there are scouts from all over Germany, from all over the European leagues, all over Dallas all the time watching their youth games. So these kids, by the time they turn 18, are not secrets anymore. They get spotted when they're 12 around these parts. Buzz, is there an issue at all with – because you mentioned uh, a couple questions ago about, you know, there's five, six guys coming up in the – you know, coming down the pipe that might be – you know, sent off to Europe here pretty soon here in the next couple of years. Is there an issue at all with, with like with the fan base and how they view that um, in terms of talent being constantly flipped to Europe? And maybe, you know, you look at other clubs around MLS that are investing in, you know, big, big time DPs. I mean, it looks like Austin's flashing some cash right now. Um, is there any pushback from the fan base that says, hey, that's that's great that you're flipping Brian Reynolds to, to Roma, but when are you going to invest on the – invest as it relates to the product on the field and give us uh you know like let's make a run for mls cup well loads obviously i mean that's the thing right is that it's it's terrific and the fans that know soccer uh appreciate the the way that it works that you know that dallas is a selling club mls is a selling league the players are going to get sold but they really want to see some investment into that opportunity. There's been, you know, four or five times in their history where Dallas had the potential to make a run and some just bizarro stuff has happened to prevent it from happening. Um, you know, Mario Diaz getting injured is the most recent one, but, um, so there definitely is pushback. And when you see these clubs like FC Cincinnati spending $13 million on a player and Dallas won't even spend more, more than two, you know, so there's, there's definitely a disconnect there. Um, at the same time, there is a love, uh, for seeing the Dallas kids make it big and get these chances at these other clubs. You know, everybody here wants the, all these kids to have the most success. You can't begrudge a kid. I mean, Brian Reynolds is going to make what a million a year starting out. You know, you can't begrudge a kid that opportunity. And, tr- and, and even if you if felt like you should, you couldn't afford to keep them all, you know, so the hunts are just not a spending organization. They choose to invest in things that are going to help them long-term infrastructure, Academy, things like that. 
you know, the recent moves the club is making clearly show that they know they can't do it with just kids. They've had an investment in these prime of career players that are 26 to 28 years old. You know, your Andres Ricartes, for example. So they're just a year, maybe a year and a half into that process, into that idea of bolstering the the academy signings with these um, relatively high price for them signings. They're not going to be Seattle. They're not going to be LAFC. You know, they just don't have that. They don't they don't want to play at that end of the pool. But um, we're going to see over the next couple of seasons whether Dallas can put together a roster that can compete or not with this new philosophy. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, looking forward here to the upcoming season, I mean, what are the expectations for this team as they, you know, surprised su- surprised the people and uh, made a Western Conference semifinal appearance uh, last season? Oh, I'm not sure why that would surprise anybody. Dallas is pretty consistently in the top half of the Western Conference, you know, and they have a pretty strong defense in half for a couple of years, so those parts shouldn't shock anybody. Dallas is a little off the radar, I know, nationally speaking, but you know, they're a consistently winning team consistently in the play. I mean, they've only missed the playoffs like seven times out of 25 seasons or something like that. So, you know, it's not a surprise that Dallas is decent. What they can't do so far is get over the hump. So the goal as stated by Lucci last season was to host a playoff game that didn't happen. So that's still the goal. The goal this season will be take a step forward and get that hosted playoff game. So, uh, the rebuilt offense is going to be the big question. Have they have they got the right pieces together that the offense can take a step forward? Because if the defense holds, which it should, you know, then there's a, a chance for this team to progress into the top three or four in the Western Conference, depending on how good the offense gets and how healthy Paxton Pomelo gets. That's the real key. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, you mentioned you know those those kind of humps that Dallas trying to get over. I, I think them beating Portland in the playoffs this this past year. Um, you know, was kind of like redemption for the way they went out the year before to Seattle, um, just kind of like in heartbreaking fashion. But this time they, they got their their chance to go through. And, you know, another hump that like I'm kind of foreseeing them facing potentially is the fact that there's going to be so many international tournaments going on this summer. Potentially, you know, there's always you don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic going on. But, you know, the likes of, of Tanner Testman, Jesus Ferreira, um, even, you know, Ricardo Pepe with, with the younger age group, uh, with the under 23s. Um, are getting looks at from 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 the American national team. I mean, do you think Dallas could survive, you know, that bit of international soccer without, you know, even if they are essentially role players, you know, without that depth in their team? Yeah, you know, it's entirely possible and plausible that a great many of the Dallas lineups this year are not going to have a lot of these young kids in it. You know, they've signed enough of these mid-tier professionals that, uh, there's going to be a lot of those guys in the lineup. Now, if Paxton gets healthy and Jesus gets healthy, they could be in the lineup quite frequently, but you still got Frank O'Hara. You still got other people that play where Paxton plays. Like if Paxton's, who's very versatile, can play right wing, he can play as an eight, he can play as a 10. You know, there, there's guys like Ricarte in those spots. There's guys like Brian Acosta in those spots. Now, Brian Acosta, of course, will get call-ups too. But, you know, it's not likely that everybody's going to get call-ups from Dallas. You know, Tanner Tessman might get some, but is he going to get some and Paxton's going to get some, right? You know, it's, there's plenty of talent on this team and lots of depths on this team. There's only about three players on the bottom that aren't in the real mix of the first group in the sense that they're not capable of starting and in the mix to be starting. So um, one of the reasons that Dallas has so much depth is the homegrown system, the Academy system fills in all the gaps that a lot of other clubs don't have. Now Philly has this too, Right. And, and in the past, New York has had it, you know, the, these homegrown signings prop up your entire roster by filling holes 
between your international stars. Dallas has not done good enough on the international stars. So if they manage to get those international hits right, they'll be a lot better. And so top to bottom, they have a deeper roster than a whole lot of teams. And if three or four guys are missing, it's no problem for them to slot in other pieces. You know, I mean, no one across the back line is going to get a call up, right? Mm-hmm. Holling said Hedges, the new kid Martinez, whoever's going to end up being right back won't be called up. Maurer's not going anywhere. There's six. Santos is not getting called up. Uh, Andres Ricardi is not getting called up. Really, only Brian Acosta or Tanner Testman in the midfield are a threat. You know, Franco Haro is not going to get called up. Jesus probably isn't starting when Faro is getting paid a million dollars. The new guy from Columbia is not getting called up. Paxson's hurt, so he's not going to get called. I mean, they have very few players that are going to be getting called up in this next window, other than a couple of these youngsters who might not actually be starters anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And and Buzz, before before we let you go, you know, the show the show likes a, a hot take and a prediction here or there, and I'm not necessarily asking for a hot take, but if you could make one bold FC Dallas related prediction for this season. Uh, what would that be? Uh, I think they finished third in the West. Okay. I, yeah, I, I think the, the roster moves they've made on the offense are going to be good enough because I, I don't think Frank O'Hara will be the leading scorer. I think it'll either be somebody like Jesus probably will end up getting that j- job done um, if they can if he can get enough playing time, you know, and if he doesn't get called up too much. There's going to be a balanced scoring team, and I think there'll be enough of an offensive step forward, they get to the to third. Um, but they don't have enough to get into the top and really compete yet in the Western Conference. They'll get to that that more elite group, but they don't have enough yet to actually compete for a championship. Not yet. All right. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. If FC Dallas finished in third, Buzz called it right here, right now. Uh, Buzz, before we let you go, do you want to plug anything, uh, you know, third degree or your own uh, Twitter page? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Third Degree Net. You can find us on the blog at thirddegree.net. Uh, and the podcast is called Third Degree the Podcast. We're pretty easy to find. Uh, we have a Patreon. If you like what we do, you can support us at patreon.com slash third degree. And uh, we're all over the place under that brand name. And you can, if you're interested in what's going on with FC Dallas, I don't think anybody does it as good as we do, not to toot my, our own horn, but we have a pretty good staff. No, nah, it's okay. That's that's what the plug section's for. You can, you can toot the horn all you want. Thanks again, Buzz Carrick of Third Degree for joining the show. You can follow Buzz and Third Degree at Third Degree Net on Twitter. Uh, Justin, Buzz's hot take or hot prediction, if you will, third place finish for FC Dallas in the Western Conference. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? A little, a little too ambitious, or do you think that FC Dallas is good enough to hold their own with the likes of LAFC, Seattle, and Portland? Yeah, I, I, I would say third or fourth is attainable for them. Um, I think LAFC is going to bounce back after this year. I think Seattle will still be strong, even if their players are a year older and they're kind of circumnavigating for next season or for this upcoming season. Um, the telling thing is going to be whether Portland also get better with Sebastian Blanco coming back and them kind of moving a few pieces around. And then if SKC can build on this past year because during the regular season they didn't necessarily have the hardest schedule um and we'll see what happens with the schedule this year if it plays into skc's favor again um or if we're going back to you know playing our conference and then the eastern conference and everything um but third or four should be attainable for dallas 
Um, I don't know. I look at their roster and I, I still think they're kind of thin. Like, um, like he said, you know, they're going to have to still shop around if they really want to make that MLS Cup push. Um, but I'll be interested to see how they, how Lucci kind of pulls things together, especially with a lot of players going in and out of the door. And JJ, not really an, uh, a question on this upcoming season, but more so a couple years down the road for FC Dallas. Buzz kind of alluded to there are some more players in that pipeline within that academy um, that probably will be getting flipped to Europe here in the next couple of years. That's got to be very exciting if you are a U.S. men's national team fan, huh? Certainly. I mean, I think FC Dallas have a, uh, you know, I see a lot of talk about, you know, the model 1.0, model 2.0, you know, the union have three, well, FC Dallas kind of have their own model this way. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a twist on old classic, you know, they, they clearly value their youth and that's kind of the building block one. Luchi Gonzalez, not afraid to get youth into the lineup, but they're also very ambitious getting the younger guys to North Texas um, to get minutes in the professional level, even if it's just in USL. They're very not afraid to send their guys off to Europe for training, not afraid to get them experience at that top, top level for risk of losing them. Uh, they have now a partnership with Bayern Munich that's pretty well established that is going to only serve to help them more in the future. And uh, I also think the, the kind of something that kind of goes understated is SC Dallas is a very wide range in terms of the uh, where their talent pool comes from. You know, Chris Richards isn't from Texas. Chris Richards is from Alabama, and they managed to get him into their academy. I mean, you look at the way that um, they built their um, Tanner Testament, another kid that's from Alabama that went up, ended up in uh, Texas to play for FC Dallas. You mean Dabo so, Sweeney's uh, godson? Dabo Sweeney, the SEC's finest, is coming to play. You know, the old, <laughs> what if our best athletes played soccer? Well, we got the SEC, so let's we're finally going to find out if the SEC is God's conference, the best players in the nation. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I do think they're uh, – their use of such a wide span of, uh, I believe they do have territorial rights in a lot of areas because, you know, it's Texas, it's big, and there's not a lot of teams in the South. But I think their uh, use of all the land they have is something that a lot of teams could really uh, take advantage of better that FC Dallas might be the model for, you know, really casting a wide net and finding the best players, not just when within a mile of the stadium, not just within 20 miles of the stadium, but finding the best players in an entire region and bringing them into your club and cultivating them and eventually like they did with Richards, like they hopefully will do with Testman in a few years, selling them on for profit and for the good of the national team in their careers. Yeah, it's almost like a college basketball or college football program, the, the academy, where you, it's it's not just kids from Texas, it's not just kids from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's kids from all over the place coming to uh, FC Dallas. And you gotta, like I said, you gotta really like that if you're a U.S. men's national team fan. Look, you know, keep an eye on clubs like Dallas, like Philly, like the Red Bulls, these are the clubs that are churning out talent as, a, you know, for the national team and, and getting guys over to Europe. So, um, Dallas is a key cog in all of that. So, but that's it for today's show, uh, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod, at JJ Post, at Justin Sosa ninety nine, and at Jake Watroba. Be on the lookout more MLS team previews. They are on the way. They will be coming at you. Fast and furious. So be on the lookout for that. For JJ and Justin, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces. Deuces.